Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You've heard me say over and over and over again that the soon return of Jesus is about to happen. And I'll continue to say it over and over and over again, too. Amen. Folks, can there be any doubt? I mean, look what's happening all around us. You know, everything Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 is happening right now. Amen. Now, if you've been listening to us recently, you've heard several sessions with our guest today, T.S. Wright. I mean, he's done a deep dive for us on Revelation and the seven church ages. And if you missed any of those episodes... Go back and look him up in the archives because he just lays it all out right there. Amen. And today, we're going to discuss something even more exciting. And we're going to give a summary of, of what we talked about. But then, as it all leads up to the year 2038. Now, to do that, help me welcome to the program, Scott Rice. Scott, thank you for taking the time to join us again, buddy. I appreciate you coming back on. Well, Bob, it is great to be here, and I am looking forward maybe to this discussion more than even all the other ones that we've had, because this is really going to give everybody a, a good overarching view, not only of what has been, but to also give them a picture of what might lie forward for us. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been looking at each of the seven church ages, so let's kind of sum up the sessions that we've had. You know, what is the significance and the need for us to understand the seven church ages of the seven ages of the church? Well, you know, I think the, the seven age of the church really ties into the process that Jesus laid out in revelation chapter three, verses 14 through 22. And that each age of the church signifies a certain part really of God himself and how he overcomes the issues in a certain way of each of those ages to fulfill his master plan. Because when you're talking about man doing things, there's always an element of, of a flaw involved. There just is, you know, cause we are not perfect beings, but God in his perfection has through the ages and through the age of the church, really what we should call this is, and I'll get into this as the age of the Gentile, but through each of one of these ages, God's perfect plan has been woven through man's flaws to fulfill what's we're going to, what we can call eventually the great commission. And the great commission obviously was given to us by Jesus. It's spoken of in Matthew chapter 28 and it starts to be fulfilled in Acts 2 and then on through and really comes to a, a mass explosion in Acts 10 when Peter receives the vision of the Gentiles. But we have to understand, a lot of uh, back then, those guys did not think the, the end. They thought that the end was going to come really quick. They did. 
But the truth is, is these seven ages of the church really are the, it's really the time frame as well as the character of God coming out through the entire church through history. And so I really want that point to be made clear in my, in my podcast, the God centered concept, we talk about a seven step process. Well, that seven step process that's layered out in, in revelation three, 14 through 22 is really each layer is significant for each of the ages of the church. So, and I can get deeper into that as we, uh, dive into this particular episode today and and would like to at some point hear us discuss that but i do know we want to probably move on with the timeline because there's probably some fun questions that you have that we want to explore well uh, just let's just let's go ahead and start with the time uh, i mean because we we need to know you know what's about to happen you know and and it's been laid out in the Bible. I mean, we've, we've already established that. So, yes. you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, where are we at now on the timeline? So there are really a couple of ways to look at this. And there's some different scholars with some different points of view. And if we look at the timeline of basically AD or However, we whatever we want to use for that particular uh, mode of timing, you know the BCAD mode. There's also some of the new ones that have come out. I'm not. I'm going to stick with the one that we have used for a much longer period of time. But really, the age of the church that Acts 10 vision most likely happened somewhere around 38 AD. That's a that's what a lot of scholars think. Now, there are some other scholars that have different views on when that happened. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with them because, quite frankly, I've read all the points and every one of them have a valid point into the way that they time it. So to to say it's it's perfectly at that 38 AD mark, I'm not I don't want to I don't want to do that because to me, then it's hard to it, it's that is something that is hard to prove to write to a fine tooth comb where we're like, it was like, it was January 10th of 38 AD. I mean, we can't do that. Okay. So that the Bible's not even written that way, but we have a pretty good point. We have, I think we have a pretty good picture that that is around the time that that happened from that point forward. The ages of the church will break down in these increments. The first age of the church will go 100 years and end between 136 and 138 AD. The second age of the church will start, obviously, at that point, at around 138 AD. And then what will happen is, is when the second age of the church kicks in, in a 138 AD, then, then it will end, basically, with the baptism and death of Constantine. And we talked about the significance of that. And that's around 337, 338 AD. So that second age of the church lasted for 200 years. Then the next age of the church will flip over from that around 337, 338 AD. It will end between 537 and 538 AD when the Byzantine army takes Rome and establishes the dominance of the papal state, the Holy Roman Church. So it will take over. It will dominate Europe for a thousand years. 
Now, there's obviously a lot of events that will happen up and down. There'll be trigger events that will eventually lead to the main event to flip the age of the church. That will happen in 1538. That is the the second and final excommunication of King Henry VIII from the Holy Roman Church. And, of course, in the 1530s, through that whole Reformation process between the English Church and the Catholic Church, or the Holy Roman Church is the way I want to phrase it, that split, and it finally happens, 1538-1539, it finally has completely disintegrated. That is the flipping to the fifth age of the church. Okay. That's the Martin Luther 95 Thesis and the Protestant Reformation will help, will help spur this event. But this is the event that flips that age. Now you've got the fifth age of the church, and now we go 200 years to the 1738-1739 mark, and the event is very simple. It is a prayer meeting that happens on December 31st, 1738, into the morning of January 1st, 1739, and the Wesleyan brothers, they write about this. They write about this Pentecostal-type awakening that happens during that prayer meeting, and it not only helps save England, but it it sparks the Great Awakening, which will also help lead to the American Revolution, and that will also lead to another Great Awakening after that, which will die off in about 1835. And then the next main event is the coronation of Queen Victoria and all of the massive technologies that emerged in the 1830s, the culmination of all those things, will kick in the last stage of the church, which is the one we're living in now. If you notice, there's a lot of 38s in there. Now, 38, the number three and the number eight are very significant in the Bible. Eight, that number is usually significant, meaning new beginnings. Three, obviously, is a representation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I think that's pretty self-explanatory. However, then you're asking, okay, so when, and the next, next natural question is, is, when is the end of the seventh age of the church? Well, if we follow this timeline, 100 years and then 200 years of the second age of the church, 200 years of the third age of the church, 1,000 for the fourth age, 200 for the fifth age, 100 for the sixth, then naturally we would come to the conclusion that it's probably going to be something of around 200 years for the seventh age of the church. Now, I don't think you have to be a prophet to know that things are happening right now. Yeah. I don't think it takes somebody that has some amazing prophetic insight that no one else might have to say that there are things happening now that are spurring us towards the end that are leading us that direction. So I don't think I'm far-fetched in saying that it does not, it would not surprise me that 2036, 2037 to 2038, 2039, I say 2038 just from the standpoint that that follows the chronology that we have realized here that some something's going to happen to end the last stage of the church. Now, some people are going to talk about raptures and all this. Stuff. I'm not going to speculate on that because there's even speculation on if there is a rapture, when is that going to happen? Is that going to be pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? I'm kind of one of those scholars that I look at all the evidence and I see a lot of evidence 
that gives arguments to all of it. Yeah. Amen. And so for me to go, it is definitely this. I am not going to do that. I'm not God and I'm not going to pretend to be God. Mm -hmm. And God has never told me and never spoken to my heart. The Holy Spirit has never put in my heart exactly when that rapture is going to happen. So do, please do not read into that here. <laughs> the only thing that I was led was this timeline. And that is not saying that when it ends, that there's going to be a rapture that ends it. Amen. Amen. Here's what I think. And I'm going to give you what I do think, because if you remember back when we were talking during the third age of the church and towards the beginning, we had a Roman emperor help try to help the Jews to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And right, literally day, day to two days before it was going to happen, there was a massive event that was natural. It was, it was a natural disaster and disasters that, destroyed a lot of the materials and the ground for them to do that. And I believe in many, many ways, and the Christians have tried to move into Jerusalem through the Crusades and all that stuff, never with success. As a matter of fact, the Ottomans eventually take all of that, and the Ottoman Empire lasts through the end of World War I. Britain retakes that. You have the Balfour Declaration. And this, this is all happening in the seventh age of the church. And then in 19... 1848, when Harry S. Truman, after World War II, signs the document making Israel a nation again in May of 1948, setting up a provisional government. And then in January of 1949, they have their first fully elected government take, basically take the government and represent the people of Israel then it becomes a nation again. I believe that that was the significant moment that may have, that I think signified what we're now seeing. Yeah. The temple has not been built. We know that. And I'm not going to say that it's going to be built tomorrow, but I think a clock started ticking Yeah. at that point. I believe a clock started ticking. And if you break down the way these, this outline works, sometimes in our dating of things, even in humans, in the Bible, we date things not by years, but by scores, which is a 20-year period. 2,000 years is a 100 scores, which will equal one generation of the church. 100 would be considered a generation. 100 scores equals a generation church. Almost think of church, kind of the historical church, even just basic history timeline, of sociological changes and cultural changes and how life changes almost think of every 20 years as like one year. I mean, even in the Bible, it says a thousand years to us is like a day to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we can almost look at this and see that. So that's like a, that 2000 year period and, and why that came to me, you know, I prayed over this a lot that just kept coming to me. It's like, there's a hundred scores of the church which equals one generation of the church, okay. you know? And so that would make sense that that is very organized. And remember this, God is very organized. Oh yeah. Yeah. He Amen. is very organized. So for us to sit here and say that he's not organized and it's not that simple and all that human beings are not simple, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has always been organized and I promise you, even if this is not the perfect timeline of how this is going to happen, God is organized. 
Oh, and he yeah. is sovereign Amen. and he owns this and he will have the final say in all of this, no matter how this shakes out, he will have the final say. Amen. That's right. And he, Amen. at the end of this thing, he will be the final judge of all this as well, both over individuals and over all the earth. Yep. Amen. All right. It's, well, let me get your opinion on this and see how that plays in. Fire away. And then I've got something else I want to add to that. Okay. At the time of this recording, the United States Congress has just held hearings on the existence of extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, right? And I've been saying for years that the governments of the world would never unite until something happens that needs to unite them. And, you know, the because they need something to blame the rapture on when the rapture occurs, right? Sure. How else are they going to explain a billion people just disappearing, right? Sure. So they would, and I said, they would say something. If it is a billion. Of, yeah. Though they took those people out of here because they were impeding our efforts to bring unity and utopia and things like that, right? But in order for that to happen, first they have to get us to accept ET's existence. That way they have something and someone to blame. Now, whether they exist or not is not the argument. If you ask my personal opinion, I would venture to guess yes, they probably do. But like when somebody asked Billy Graham what he thought about ET, he replied, I don't know if they do or not. But if they do, Jesus is still their savior. And he just left it at that. But, uh, you know, and that's where I'll leave it. But what do you think about all this talk about ET and the government? Because right now, you know, we don't get along with China and we don't get along with Russia and and we don't get along with, you know, a lot of different nations and they don't get along with each other and China hates Japan and, you know, all this stuff. But if we are, quote unquote, under attack or something like that against ET, that is something that would signal we have to unify together. And in order to do that, we need a world leader. I mean, you know, I mean, the Bible even says all the armies of the world come out against Jesus, right? What is going to unite all the armies of the world? You know, could it be? And I'm just throwing that out there because we're talking about this end time <laughs> hypothesis here that they label Jesus as an ET just to create that one world order to try and fight against them. I mean, what better reason to unite a one world government than if we're protecting our world from an invasion? You know? I, the writers of the Bible have no clue what an ET even was. So what do you no. think about that? Honestly, I'm not even sure what I can say about that. I mean, <laughs> what do you, first of all. That's what I say, you can't make this stuff up. The government. Yeah. Why, why are they discussing something they don't have concrete evidence of? You know, right. that would be my, that would be my first yeah. question. Yeah. Number two, on a side, and this is more of a side note, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that said God did not create other beings and things on other areas. Correct. We don't know that. Right. We, we're not, we're too, we think we know everything. Einstein said it best. We don't even know 1% of the universe's knowledge. Yeah. Less yeah. than 1%. So, yeah. again, I have a hard time <laughs> speculating on that stuff. I, you know, I want evidence and for, for me personally, and for them to do that 
you know, are they conjuring up some type of thinking to be able to explain something in the out of the way or try to unite people? I don't know. I mean, could they be? I mean, propaganda has been used before. Yeah. It's not exactly. It's not unprecedented that governments use propaganda and sort of ad lib ideas to to kind of accomplish what they want to accomplish. I mean, that's been. I don't think anybody'd be shocked by that because that's been going on for a long time. Um, right. I mean, well, I'm I just even, saying it because you know, we're, we're about talking about propaganda. You know, the end times like with the one world government and all that. And yeah. you know, there, you know, nope. is that we possible? would not give up our sovereignty. We won't do it, you know, type yeah. thing. But something has to make us do it, you know. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is is now they've been denying it, denying it. Nope, nope, nope. We don't know what you're talking about. And now all of a sudden, boom, here you go. Oh, we have proof, you know, type thing. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking 2038 here. That's not very far away. You know, they, they're just planting the seed right there. Could it be, you know? I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, you remember the movie Independence Day. Yeah. Back yep. in the 90s. So, yep. you know, it's it's hard to speculate on that, but. Could the government be doing stuff like that? I mean, like I said, it's not unprecedented for governments to use propaganda to build a case for what yeah. they want. I mean, that's, that's right. they've been doing that for centuries. So yeah. it's not a, Amen. that's not even an old idea. Whether now the ET thing and, and the whole extraterrestrial thing, wow. I mean, the <laughs> fact that they're even discussing it. That's what, that's what blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of, it's like, why are we spending our time and money on even discussing that? Yeah. You know, if our government, and these are the guys we elect, and they're, and they're for some reason doing that, unless they have some concrete evidence of something that's tangible and real. Or, like and, we said, and if know, that was the case, plants. that would have already came out. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's that's my point to it. It's like yeah. that would have already came out. So yeah. you know, could what you're saying could that be true? Like I said, when they're talking about stuff like that, they're making it in a way like anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. To kind of keep that door open to yeah. explain things the way they want yeah. to. Down yep, the road. That's, that's why I, I was bringing up, you know, that way, you know, because I've said this, like I said, for years that, you know, that they have to have something to try and explain to the world why a billion people suddenly disappeared. Right. You know? Exactly. And I mean, that is that a possibility? You know, is that what they have in mind doing this? Even if they oh. don't. Even could if they, they don't have that? it in mind, could they use? Yeah, that's why I say, could they use yeah. that as? But could experience? they potentially use that? I think I could see them using a lot of things because think about this, and I have I've spoken on the rapture before. Just that if it does happen, that it's going to create a vacuum. Oh yeah, in society, and something has to fill it. Yeah, and something has to fill it, and. You know, one of the possibilities, and I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but if you if you remove the church, the power of the church with the rapture, and then the attack on Israel by basically their enemies to the north and some of their surrounding enemies, and they're and those nations are basically wiped out, you're going to 
I mean, that's a lot of that's going to be Islamic. That's going to be an attack from Islam is what that's going to be. Not that you would destroy every Islam Islamic person, but you would definitely destroy their influence. Now you have the two biggest world religions, so to speak, gone. Their influence wiped out. Something's going to fill that void. I mean, yeah. just like when Rome fell, things had to fill that void. And so, I mean, again, we have historical precedents to understand the type of things that could happen once those voids are gone. Yeah, once yeah. those, once those control, you know, kind of those spiritual controlling ideals that have influence over so many people in not only in uh, not only just normal people, but also in leadership and those things are wiped out. It is going to create a massive void that something is going to fill. And yeah, what maybe. that is, I mean, the Wouldn't Bible talks about an antichrist and, you know, what exactly is that going to look like and, and all these things. So, again, I don't I don't want to over speculate about that, but you also don't want to be blind to the fact that that could happen. Yep. You know, it's exactly. one of those things you want to keep on the you got to keep it right there. I don't want to look at it like is my front and center thing, but I certainly don't want it completely out of sight, out of mind, because I think. Part of the fact that we see like this timeline, what it really should do to people. And, and one of the messages I want is that it should create a sense of urgency yeah, for us to reach others for Christ, because we don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, like you said in the last episode, nobody is promised tomorrow. That's right. Unless the Lord has, you know, put a picture in your heart of what's coming in your life up to a certain point. But at some point that's still going to end. I mean, yeah. we we are our physical body existence is going to end at some point, mm -hmm. but our spiritual existence is forever, regardless of what side of judgment that you're on. Yeah. And so one thing that, you know, look, there I actually was watching an episode of and I, I don't even watch the show much. I've watched a couple episodes. Joni Lamb, she had a guy on there speaking on their and there, it's kind of a panel of women. And they had a guy on there speaking, and I can get the name for you. I don't have it in front of me, but I'll I'll look it up here in a minute. He has a book, and he basically died and was revived, I mean, several minutes later. Well, he actually went the other way. He did not go to heaven, but he did stand before God in judgment, and then he went, he went to the depths of hell. And it was really interesting. He has a book. He's written about it. He evangelizes now. He teaches people about Christ that hell is real. And that all of this stuff is there. And he, he actually layers hell out in levels. It is really strange. But how he describes it, then I heard, I saw somebody else give a testimony on that as well. And they gave somewhat of a similar description. And I'm like, this is real. I mean, you know, these near-death experiences, and they're not really near-death experiences. They do die. And then coming back. You know, you cannot refute that testimony. Yeah. You know, somebody can, that does not have a spiritual mind with the Holy Spirit can twist the words of the, of the Bible, but they cannot twist your testimony. Amen. That's they right. cannot change that, which is part of why the Holy Spirit is inside of us is it gives credit to the words of God, because when they try to discredit the word of God and they can do that in their mind, they can't discredit your testimony. Yeah. And it makes the two work together. That's why your testimony, that's why people's testimony is so important. And I encourage every listener here, if you don't know your testimony, you need to walk through that. Spend some time with the Lord and walk through your personal testimony and write it out. 
when we when I used when I worked with uh, Crew, which was Campus Crusade for Christ back in that day, doing student ministry, we always talked about you need to sort of keep a timeline in a journal of your testimony, and write that out. Spend some time with the Lord, praying through it, and and writing it out. That is an important aspect of your walk, because it also not only does it show you when you came to Christ and your growth, but it also shows you when you kind of walk off course and Him pulling you back. And that can be used to help other people not to do the same things, or it can also, you know, you can relate to other people in helping them see how powerful Christ is in your life. You know, I was just this, but after Christ, I was this. Yeah. And that testimony gives credit to that. So it really, what testimony is all about is about the idea of hope. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're out of time with today's portion of this great interview with Scott Wright as we're talking about the mission of 2038. What does that mean? And if you missed his entire series about the, the seven church ages, you need to go back and catch that up. But if you notice down the show notes, he has 2038 as part of his email. And I asked him what that was about. And this episode, this this interview that we're doing right now, explains what he's calling Mission 2038. And you don't want to miss what he's saying. That's all I'm going to say. Today was the introduction. You come back for the very next episode, you'll get the conclusion. And how exciting it really is. Praise God. You do not want to miss the conclusion of this interview. Till then. This past about reminded, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.